everybody to All About Windows Phone, Insight number 92, recording this on Tuesday the 25th of March 2014. I'm Steve Litchfield, but the main man of the site is Mr. Rafe Blanford. Hello everybody, I think you're the main man too as well, Steve. I just happen to uh, have the editor hat on some of the time, although I don't think it's a deep secret or anything that Steve does a lot of the editing as well, catching all those company pluros and other typos. Ah, but you handle the money. You handle the dosh, and that makes you the main man. Um, I do notice there's one thing before we start the show. There has been some sort of delay in the Microsoft buying out Nokia, and uh, I guess the the thing we should ask is, uh, what does that does this actually mean? Anything? My guess is the only real impact will be on how the Microsoft and Nokia staffers sort of act and talk at the build conference coming next month. There will be much practical impact on the general Windows Phone users. I, I think that's a fair comment. What the news is here that both Microsoft and Nokia issued a statement saying that the acquisition that's sort of been ongoing since September now uh, is now going to complete sometime in April. Originally, they said it would be the first quarter. Um, it was always likely to be sort of March time. So it's probably been delayed by about a month or so. Uh, obviously, any delay is sort of a bad thing because it means more time when they can't be working together. But in realistic terms, I don't think, you know, a matter of a few weeks is going to make uh, a great deal of difference and as you say actually probably the one thing that it does have a noticeable impact is on the build conference where the way this works is there are legal and regulatory restrictions about how closely the two companies can work before the acquisition is completed they're obliged not surprisingly to uh, act in the best interest of their shareholders before that and they're probably under closer scrutiny working together than they were when they were sort of before the acquisition uh, announcement was made so I, I think what it means is we won't see sort of a joint platform, a joint effort at build. That was always a, a little bit unlikely given how close the two events were were going to be. But I'd be fairly confident in saying there's not likely to be Nokia getting up on stage announcing any Lumia devices as part of the build event, which was something we thought might happen originally. You know, it'd be a good way for Microsoft sort of to make a, a big splash. I suspect those announcements won't be delayed very long, but they'll be held as two separate events. Um, there will probably still be loads and loads going on at Build. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Samsung announces their Windows Phone 8.1 device and possibly some of the other manufacturers as well. And of course, we will still be getting the announcement of Windows Phone 8.1, which is the kind of the big news, I guess, and that's going to dominate the conversation in the Windows Phone world for quite some time to come. But you're right, in terms of the impact, it's probably fairly minimal apart from when the kind of joining together those two companies can start. And I suspect both sides are probably champing at the bit to, to get on with that. Um, but it's not going to be that long a delay. Uh, and any delay is bad in the sense that, you know, mobile is fast moving. The reason this has all happened is they haven't been able to clear some of the regulatory hurdles. It's gone through in a lot of the big markets. I think it's 15 or 16 markets now given regulatory approval. But I think we're still waiting on India and possibly uh, Korea as well not quite sure of the list taiwan went through just uh, a few days ago uh, but once that's completed obviously the you know formal completion of the acquisition can go ahead nokia did say in its statement that it's not related to the tax issues they've got in their chennai factory it's actually down to regulatory approval so i suspect it won't be that far into april when sort of the formal completion gets announced yeah, yeah. I guess that the thing most uh, all about Windows Phone listeners and readers will want to know really is when they can expect shiny new toys. Now, there's one thing an announcing new hardware, and I guess you're right, Samsung will probably try and grab a bit of glory and announce their Ative 
SE at the at the conference. But I, I, I wanted to just make the point, Rafe, that it, it is a lot more to getting a phone out the door than somebody saying, oh, there's a new build, let's let's shove it across to users. You've got uh, the sheer complexity of a, a mobile phone operating system. Just a, a brief anecdote, if I may. I was playing around on one of my Android phones, a Note 2, with, I thought, well, I'll try, I'll try a different ROM. So I, I tried a, one of these XDA developers' ROMs, and I popped it on, and I played. And battery life was appalling. It was quite clear that there are major issues to do with integrating and optimizing a mobile phone, a real-time operating system kernel, and, and getting it all running smoothly without any major issues. And to, to have Microsoft announce Windows Phone 8.1 and release the SDK to developers and get the information out there and start tracking down bugs, and the manufacturers then working to integrate that into the, with their, their chipsets and their hardware and their drivers and the, the actual the phones themselves to go through um, all the testing and certification we're talking at least, I'm, I'm guessing, two months from the start of the build conference until we actually see over-the-air firmware updates issued for the very first devices, and probably not much less than that for the, any new devices themselves appearing. You're right, it is an incredibly complex process. It probably is worth saying that the manufacturers will have got their hands on Windows Phone 8.1 some time ago, particularly the early test builds, and so a lot of work will be going on for that. But you're right, there's still a certain amount that has to be done You know, once the official announcement is made, You know, a certain amount of testing and operator sign-off. I suspect we'll actually see the first Windows Phone 8.1 devices within weeks of build. Um, they may even be giving away a few of them at the event to developers. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a kind of a beta test or a developer version, as we saw with Update 3 rolled out very shortly or at build itself. Um, but the consumer rollout will be later. Um, I, as I say, new, new devices, the first ones by the end of April. But then in terms of the update for existing devices, that will take longer, and I suspect that will be well into May, if not June time, before that rolls around. So that two months you were talking about is spot on. I mean, Windows Phone 8.1, as anyone who sort of looked in the server logs, if they're an app developer or indeed just on a website, has been uh, in testing for quite some time now. You can actually trace it back to uh, this time last year, um, and obviously since Christmas, since the new year, it's been around a lot more, and it's been spotted in a lot more logs. Um, there's various devices. We'll talk about some of the prospective devices. We should say this is all speculation in one sense, or it's informed speculation. Uh, so you're right in the sense that it, it's incredibly complex process, and that's why it's sort of you know you it, you take a certain amount of time before and between releases. And if we think the last major one was really the yeah. Windows Phone 8 upgrade, there's a reason it takes 18 months. And part of that, of course, is the development of the platform itself. But then there's also that process by which you sort of integrate it with the hardware. And um, a certain amount is actually the same as in you know previous generations. We've seen that Windows Phone 8, the current one, is running on the Snapdragon 800. And that's on the Lumia icon on the 1520. And that will obviously be that new high-end for Windows Phone. But there are some new ones coming in the form of kind of the Snapdragon 200 and an updated version of the Snapdragon 400 as well, broadly equivalent to the S4 that's in the current high end. So all of that kind of new hardware, new screen resolutions, new components, all has to be tested. And that does take a lot of time. And as you say, you know, if you're sort of putting on uh, your own ROMs as on Android devices, you can sort of get a glimpse of the efforts that are required. <laughs> and it, it can be something as simple as just making sure that there's not um, undue energy consumption when you turn a specific component on or a certain scenario, certain network conditions. Um, and of course, there's so many factors that interact with each other, um, you know, so many cofactors that 
actually that testing process is, is far from straightforward. And people expect a phone that has great battery life, that never goes wrong, that never crashes. As we know, the reality is not often like that, but that's kind of the ideal situation to get to that process. You know, there will be a long, long beta period and you know, the Windows Phone 8.1 testing devices that were existing over the summer even sort of been seen in the server logs, there would have been very early implementations and certainly wouldn't have been anything like ready for consumers. Yeah, I guess I'm approaching this whole timescale thing for a, <laughs> with a selfish hat on, looking at my existing devices, things like the 1020 and the 920, which obviously will get the update. And just to make the point again, it would be great if everyone did a hard reset when Windows Phone 8.1 came out. And we, and we started with all with virgin devices, and I'm sure there'll be a far fewer problems. But what um, Microsoft and, and I guess the Nokia staffers at the moment have to take into account is to do over-the-air updates, which is what everyone's expecting, waiting for that shiny update available download now, is that the, the updates have not only got to download the active devices, which are already online, with existing data and applications. They've got to have room for that. They've got to have room on the device to, uh, to perform the update. They've got to work with these users' existing data, existing applications, existing setup. And that introduces a whole can of worms. And I suspect that's why it takes much longer to get the over-the-air updates out the door. That's right. I mean, if you think there's some 50 million or so active Windows Phone 8 devices out there that could potentially be upgraded, but it's a lot more complex than that because there's, you know, 10 to 15 different models or at least common ones and each of those will then have different variants um, in terms of operator maybe also in terms of the kind of the color of the devices which is sometimes taken into account in the settings uh, so there's potentially thousands of different builds that have to be created and tested now obviously between the variance, variations between different operator builds are smaller, but there are differences. You know, it can be in network settings, sort of applications installed, languages, and things like that. But they still have to be tested and all those scenarios worked through. And just the time to create those alone takes a lot of time. And then they have to go out to the deployment server. And sometimes there's been some suggestions there's a bit of a bottleneck there in terms of the way Microsoft deploys them because. Um, Nokia and the other manufacturers have quite efficient build processes for you know building up different sets of software for each variant of device and say there could be thousands of those variants but they still have to be delivered and got out there so that does take longer and it's obviously a lot easier doing it onto a kind of a new device fresh out of the factory and as you say it, you, know, you have to preserve all the user's data with sort of the existing updates we've had with Windows Phone 8 so update 1 GDR1 update 2 update 3 be relatively simple as they've been kind of more bug fixes and small feature additions there's actually going to be a, a lot more going on in 8.1 we've talked about some of the features in the podcast but they're going to be introducing new apis that could potentially break some applications i'm sure we'll see some evidence of that but also major new features the way notifications work will change uh, you know it updates to existing applications and all of that has to be sort of taken into account so uh, you know it's not a simple process we see that with the other platforms and the other manufacturers there's a reason that google will announce a new version of android and then it will take several months or even longer before it comes out onto the existing devices you know android 4.4 kitkat being a good example of that apple has things a little easier because obviously it's got fewer devices and it's got more central control but one of the the big things that people don't realize is the operators have a, a lot of control over this and they need to sign off on the updates um, in some countries that will only apply to the operator variants but in some places in the uk is sometimes an example of this um, the operators have to approve their individual updates and they won't actually allow a sort of generic update to go out uh, over their network onto the devices that sort of are sit- have their sim cards sitting in them until they've approved the update as well and so 
operators can actually have an impact even on the non-operator branded devices. Now that is a more unusual scenario, but that's why it can take so much time. And people sometimes ask them, how is Apple able to deliver it instantly without operator interference? The honest answer is they don't. They just don't tell anyone that the update's coming until they've got approval all round. And even Apple will have uh, examples of countries that don't get the update straight away, but obviously they try and get it into all their key markets. And so you have to decide which one, which approach you prefer, if you like. And certainly I think uh, I'd rather get the update as, as soon as possible. And if you're in that camp, look out for the developer preview program for Windows Phone 8.1, which will allow you to get it onto your existing device before anybody else. But it will mean it will come sort of without the manufacturer-specific bits, but of course you'll be able to update to that later on. Because in all of this, we'll get the Microsoft update, but we'll probably also see manufacturer and device-specific updates as well. Yeah, I guess we should just talk briefly about our guesses for the devices yes. we're expecting over the next couple of months. Um, the Lumia 630 has been fairly widely speculated on, uh, a follow-up to both the 620 and the 625, and that does look potentially fairly tasty. A Lumia 930 sounds higher-end and uh, presumably some sort of a slightly larger version of the existing 920 with the current 2014 chipset. I guess that's kind of a shoe in but maybe another month or so down the line. Um, you mentioned the show notes, perhaps a 530 as well. Is that possible? Yes, it is. I mean, there will definitely be a replacement to the low-end device, whether that name is completely accurate. It certainly looks like it will be given the naming scheme elsewhere. As you say, the thick 630 has been kind of the one that's widely leaked and there's renders around. We've mentioned it on the site a few times. Um, that I would describe... Yes, 620 and 625, it kind of sits in between those two. Interesting because it's uh, got the on-screen navigation keys. It's got no capacitive keys for back search and windows. That's going to be running kind of Snapdragon 400. And then there's the high-end one, which is the 930. That's going to be the Snapdragon 800 like the Lumia 1520. But the best way to think of this is kind of the global variant of the Lumia icon. Yeah. It's, it's not clear quite what design it's going to be, but... I wouldn't be surprised to see some mix or update of the 925, or as you say, the 920, or just a, a shrunk down 1520 maybe. Uh, that's going to be a really attractive device, and I suspect um, we'll actually see some additions over the Lumia icon. There'll be some extra technology in there, be it on the screen or some kind of uh, non-contact gestures. There's Nokia, each time they've kind of introduced a flagship device, have kind of put an extra bit of uh, technology in there. One to maybe watch out for is the quick charge technology. This is something that's integrated into the Snapdragon 800 processor, which allows you to charge your device very, very quickly. It's actually in the Lumia 2520 tablet, and you can get up to, you know, 80% charge on that tablet very quickly thanks to this technology. But so what it means is rather than taking maybe a couple of hours to charge up a phone, you might be able to do it in half an hour, 45 minutes, certainly to the 80% capacity level. So uh, that should be interesting. And I think there'll be a couple more tricks up Nokia's sleeve like that and probably some new software as well. The 520, um, or the 530, I should say, which is replacing the 520, is likely to be running the Snapdragon 200 processor. The support for that was announced by Microsoft at MWC, and that will get the cost down. So it should be even cheaper than the Lumia 520 is uh, or was at launch. It'll probably be actually similar price given that the 520 is quite heavily discounted and it does have operator subsidies in some countries like the uk and the us um, don't expect too many thrills from that it will be made to a price point um, but that's going to be really interesting because that's where windows phone has you know been strongest if you look at the ad duplex stats that came out this month it's about 38 percent of all windows phone devices currently active are either lumia 520 or 521 so that's 
one we know less about, but uh, you, you can absolutely guarantee it's going to happen. Uh, I would have thought all of those three devices will be out relatively short order, probably the 6.31st, followed by the 9.30, maybe the 5.30, a bit after that. There will then be devices, you know, fitting in around that, but they'll all be based around those three chipsets that I mentioned. There's going to kind of be three levels of Windows phone devices rather than the two we have at the moment. That'll be true of both Nokia and other manufacturers as well. Uh, I think one question that listeners to this will want to know is what about the 1020? Will that get an update? <laughs> yes, I think it will, but I do think it'll be later in the year. I think they'll want to work out some of the bugs before sort of adding in the camera component and you know the 1020 hasn't actually been out that long and so i think expecting a replacement for that in the near future is is unlikely so i don't think it'll be as long as the gap between the, the previous nokia or been microsoft of course in the future camera flagships but uh, i maybe a, a side bet that it'll arrive in time for the uh, christmas market this year but it's entirely possible it could go back a, a, another year. But uh, yeah, if I if I was a betting man, I'd put money on the sort of the October time frame for that. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that the the camera specialist uh, smartphones, certainly from Nokia, have got a longer shelf life than generic smartphones because of that single unique feature. I think you you buy a device like the 1020 because it's got this insanely good camera, and almost the the speed of the UI and the general smartphoniness and the chipset, they all kind of fade into the background. So it really isn't actually a problem for most 1020 owners that they have to you know, wait 18 months for a successor. And I knew a lot of people who were still using the Nokia N86 um, a couple of years ago. Um, that was from 2008, 2009. And people were still using the N95 because it had a good camera, for heaven's sake, from 2007. That was sort of only three years ago. So I think a camera specialist, a camera flagship smartphone like the 1020 could easily last someone a good two or three years before the user started to feel any real pain, point, pain points. Yeah, I think you have to remember that most normal people only update their uh, phone every couple of years. I mean, I think the phone geeks who are tending to be the ones who listen to a podcast like this may well be updating more frequently but most people will update on the sort of duration of their contract or even a bit longer because not everyone has their end of contract date marked in their diary for when they can go and get a new phone and in the windows phone contacts that actually means things like the lumia 900 if people bought that early on they'll be coming to their end of their contract soon and there's kind of a, a night and day difference between the 900 and what will be the 930 really really big update there far more than i think you'd get in either the android or the iphone world so that's going to be an interesting one to watch of course there'll be some people who bought the 900 who will never buy Nokia your windows phone again because they feel they were burned by the update <laughs> not a not an unfair viewpoint i would have to say um but yeah there's that kind of sense that if you bought by a more specialist device and i think the same could probably be said to apply to things like the blackberry devices as well that you know you don't need to update so regularly and i think windows phone is particularly good in that regard because you're going to be getting the 8.1 update and in terms of performance there is a difference but as we've commented on the podcast and on the site it's actually really about the speed when you're opening third-party apps and a lot of the time you won't notice it being slow or or laggy um that is a contrast i feel with some of the other platforms it's sort of and I think it's still true of Windows Phone. There's, it's got enough kind of room under the hood, even for the low-end devices, to run the next generation of software absolutely fine. And it was one of the benefits of moving to Windows Phone 8. You had that re-engineered core that doesn't get talked about very much, but actually put it in a very good position to get software updates for the next couple of years. And the same would apply onward in the future. And, you know, if you've got a 1020, sort of thinking, is there going to be a good new device coming out? Honestly, you probably won't 
find something that beats it because yes you'll find a snapdragon 800 powered 930 or 1520 or icon that's a bit faster but you're still not going to measure up to the camera and you bought it because of the camera and so that will be the deciding factor for you Absolutely. And while Rafe uh, grabs a, a swig of water so for his poor throat there, I have to mention the Samsung Ative SE has been also widely rumoured. Um, we saw the original Samsung Ative S, which is kind of a carbon copy of the Samsung Galaxy S3 hardware, um, slightly re-engineered and with Windows Phone on. And I, I'm, everyone's guessing, especially from the leaked renders, that the Ative SE, which yes, I suspect will be launched at the build, or at least announced, and probably available um, a month or so afterwards, will be based on the Galaxy S4 hardware, again with some slight tweaks on the back and maybe some materials difference, but uh, certainly the much of the core will be similar. Um, the Samsung Galaxy S4 Rafe was actually a very big seller, and uh, a T-Vest actually got won some fans, so maybe the SE can at- achieve some traction as well. Yes, I, th- I think that's right. I mean, I saw the S a um, couple of times. I'd never actually had one sort of for a long-term use. But it was a nice handset, and if you like that Samsung design style, it is a bit plasticky to my taste, but I know it's you know, very popular as well, as you say, the S4 being a tremendous success. Uh, you know, you'll get a good handset with that, you know, with some of the Samsung hardware components and all of that. And I think some of the advantages of having a, a Nokia device in terms of the exclusive software will go away when um, Nokia is part of Microsoft, because why wouldn't they kind of release that stuff more widely? And we've already kind of seen that with some of the Here apps have become know available more generally so yes we will see it we should say that kind of the leak one so far for the samsung 8 of se has been the verizon exclusive handset but i'm pretty sure there will be a global variant of that as well how widely it gets taken up uh, i don't know i mean in terms of sales the samsung 8 of s hasn't really done very much compared to the nokia devices you know there's a reason that uh, nokia represents 95 percent of uh, active windows phone devices according to the ad duplex stats but um Worth keeping an eye on because actually it could be a, an interesting second choice of a flagship device, especially as it can be uh, quite competitively priced. And, uh, you know, some people really like the way that Samsung designs and puts together their phones. And so, you know, while we mainly talk about Nokia devices here, it's, you know, one I'd certainly like to see and keep an eye on. And of course, with the um, um, Galaxy S4 hardware and presumably this AT will, of course, have the replaceable battery, which is something that many people, including myself, do do still prize. So that's a unique selling point, I think, in the high end. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, we just you mentioned Windows Phone 8.1 several times, but there has been some uncertainty in recent months as exactly what the next next version of Windows Phone will be called. But I gather we now have confirmation in multiple sources from Microsoft that it's going to be called 8.1. I did see some confusion, Rafe, that uh, this morning that uh, people were calling it 8.1 Blue. Is that just a red herring? Yes, you're right, Steve. Uh, 8.1 is kind of the official name. Talk about a couple of the bits of information we have on that but blue i actually think that's likely a reference to the update or the code name that microsoft applied to windows 8.1 and windows phone 8.1 in general when it was kind of in development there are some suggestions that blue could be kind of the next version of the nokia firmware update as we had lumia amber and lumia black Um, i haven't had been able to get any confirmation on that I, i think it's more likely that blue is probably just a reference to 8.1 the kind of the code name the official name is almost certainly going to be 8.1 i guess it's possible it could change in the next few days but if you look in the windows phone store you'll actually see references to windows phone 8.1 support for apps and in our app tracking thing i can actually see in the back end there's thousands and thousands of apps which are having windows 8.1 listed as sort of compatibility and there's actually a few mentions in regulatory documentation for example for uh, bluetooth and nfc and those are documents that have come from microsoft and also uh, nokia 
did an update for its glance application with some of its Lumia handsets. And one of the kind of update points was that it was now compatible with Windows Phone 8.1. So if you didn't believe it before, you can certainly believe it now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we should move on. Uh, the, the Lumia 1320 uh, you had for a while, you did a video review, and I did the full textual review. And we'll link to that on the uh, main allaboutwindowsphone.com site. I've also done my own video review as part of Phone Show 233, so I'll link across to that on the site as well in short course. I was actually quite impressed by this. It's, a, it's obviously, um, a, I would say, a budget fabulous, and I'm gonna keep, everyone's using that word now, so I will use it <laughs> as well. Um, it, if you want a device that's too large to be a regular phone, but you want to double to save yourself having to carry around an iPad or a laptop or something. So you want something that you can do, you know, decent office work or decent web browsing or something large enough not strain your eyes and to watch, you know, movies and YouTube and so on. And to one device to do everything and you haven't got a fortune to spend, it's almost a shoo-in really. I mean, I, I found it online as cheap as 205, admittedly through things like Simply Electronics, which aren't the most reliable sellers in the world. I found it from slightly more reliable people at about 230 or so. Um, Samsung's uh, Galaxy Mega 6.3, which is really its only rival, um, was more expensive. So I think the 1320, even at launch prices, um, is coming at really um, the, the budget the, the budget fablet of choice, and as the price comes down, as it's naturally going to with these Lumias, I suspect we'll find it at about £200 in a month or so's time, at which point it will be staggering value for money. Uh, maybe not for the high-end fans, but I was always really impressed by the 1320. Yeah, I've become more impressed over time because I first saw it at Nokia World and it kind of was put rather in the shade by the 1520, which, you know, don't get us wrong, it's the 1520 is the nicer handset, that kind of all-in-one uh, extreme design as Nokia refers to it as. But the 1320 really is fantastic value for money. And honestly, in terms of functionality outside the camera, there's very little to choose between the two. Now, there are various other hardware cuts, the screen being you know, the critical one. But as we mentioned on the last podcast, the screen is actually still incredibly good for uh, a low-cost device, especially around that £200 yeah, yeah. price point. And you know, if you want that kind of device, you can't really go wrong with the 1320. It will then become about, you know, do you want Windows Phone? Um, and I actually think if you're looking for that kind of device, you're probably wanting it for web browsing and a bit of video. You can do all the kind of the mainstream video stuff. You know, it's, there are Netflix client, there's now BBC iPlayer, there's 4OD in the UK. Uh, it's not universally available, those kind of apps in all countries. So it's probably worth investigating if that's, you know, a big factor for you. Uh, the other, you know, market that will be interested in a device like this is those who just want stuff to display bigger on the screen because they've got uh, poor eyesight. And, you know, whenever you talk to the manufacturers, they kind of tend to describe two different segments for uh, these large screen smartphone devices. One is you know, relatively young people, quite often um, female, who just want a, you know, a bigger screen or want that, as you described, Steve, a combination of phone and tablet. But the other one is kind of over 50s and typically men, and they just want <laughs> everything bigger on the screen because they've got bad eyesight, you know. I don't wearing glass or whatever. I can kind of sympathise with both because sometimes you look at, especially if you go back to some of the old devices with the three and a half inch screens. How on earth did I spend all my time reading stuff on that? And I mean, for me, I, I find the screen too big; it goes too much the other way. But I can certainly understand it. And uh, Windows Phone is pretty good in that respect, in that there aren't actually that many optimizations for the six inch screens, which is a shame. But if you're just looking to have things bigger, then you're really going to like both the thirteen twenty and the fifteen twenty. And I actually think some of the kind of the tricks that you see on things like the Note 3, they're they're great, but less relevant on the budget devices. And yeah. uh, as you say, the 1320 really, for me, is the kind of current choice of that good value large screen smartphone. 
there are some excellent um, Android devices from some of the Chinese manufacturers that have similar size screens. But if you're looking for something that's going to last, you know, really good build quality and a bit of fun because you've got the typical Nokia colors. The review unit we had was a yellow one, but it comes in a couple of other colors as well. Then it's really quite hard to beat the 1320. And of all the kind of the budget Nokia devices that we've seen in the last couple of years, I actually think all the kind of various bits that were put together, you know, the compromises that have to be made for the devices like that, it's the best combination of kind of components and value that I've seen from Nokia. To me, it even beats out the 620 uh, because it's just that little bit cheaper, relatively speaking, uh, when you're you know, putting it all into the equation. Uh, and sort of the only thing that is missing that people might miss, I suppose, is something like uh, NFC. But that's, I think, a kind of an edge case. And it's all those things you don't really need because um, yeah. you can do pretty much everything without it. NFC you know, payments or NFC only stuff is uh, rare enough to not be an issue at the moment and you know the 620 was appeal because it was well put together but actually that small screen size if anything made it uh, a minority in the same way that large screen makes a 1320 kind of a niche or a minority handset so um really looking forward to seeing something like the 630 as well because i think it'll be a, a similar price to the 630 sorry the 1320 maybe a little bit cheaper if they can get that same kind of combination of components you know decent screen the right sensors in there you know the snapdragon 400 lt and all that kind of thing you sort of go mm, that could be really interesting as a kind of mid-range handset one thing i found really odd is that i had 1520 in for review uh, a month or so ago for my own purposes so i've had a decent play with that then i had the 1320 both identically sized screen now one is 1080p one is 720p but the way windows phone you windows phone's ui works it shouldn't make a huge difference just a matter of how crisp the text is I actually found that I didn't at any point really feel that 1320 was lacking in terms of Windows Phone optimizations for the display, whereas on the 1520, maybe it's the fact that the 1520's re resolution was so high that you think it should be doing more. You think subconsciously, it's so crisp, they should be trying to show more information on screen, whereas this, the 1320, the 720p resolution, looked about right for the content. So at no point using it, I think, oh, I want to see 20 lines of text here rather than 15, or I want to see more of that web page, I want to see more of that content. I think the 1320 is actually a very good fit for 720p. Yeah, it's funny you should say that. I kind of feel this sometimes can apply to Windows Phone more generally, that it doesn't make the most of the high-end hardware, and sometimes you've got all this great stuff, and it doesn't quite take advantage of it. It should, and this screen issue on the 1520 versus the 1320 is a great example of that. I think it also helps that the 1320's screen quality is really very good, especially given the price. Um, and the 1520 is, of course, even better. But it sort of, it, as you say, it feels like it fits in there. I mean, I, I do wonder it's whether it's part of how you kind of perceive what you've paid for a device or how you regard a device, whether it's high end or kind of this mid tier and the difference about what it should do in perception. But it, 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 I think it is a valid point. And that's why in some ways the 1320 is actually kind of a better all round package than the 1520. It, it just feels like it's sort of that software and hardware combination fits together. I mean, in the same way that you look at something like the 620 and felt that was you know really fantastically put together and then compared it to the 920. You know, the 920 was clearly the superior handset, but it was a bit on the heavy side. It perhaps wasn't really quite high spec enough given the pricing if your specs are important to you. And so, you know, it kind of brings back this argument we've had before that actually Nokia's best work is often done with its mid-tier devices. And I think the 1320 is another example of that when you compare it with its sister, the 1520. 
Yeah, you're talking of fifteen twenty. Just very briefly, one one side note. I did notice that the price of that's been coming down a lot. And uh, what was the fifteen twenties launch price before I go on? Oh, I think it was it was well over five hundred pounds. I mean, yeah, in the in the UK market at least. And you're right, it has come right down. Um, I suspect that's partly about component availability because obviously when that first came out, um, some of the bits that are in there were kind of still relatively early on in the supply cycle. But yeah, I saw that coming down. It's now a much more attractive price and it's a lot easier to justify. Um, you know, originally it was getting on for uh, double the price of the 1320, even a bit more in, in some cases. Now that's a bit closer. Um, I suspect we'll see that sort of stabilise around that price. It's probably a reflection, as we've said, it, it's kind of not a mainstream high-end handset. It is a bit of a specialist device, uh, obviously, depending on what market you're looking at. And both of us have said we really like the 1520, you know, top-end top hardware, great camera, latest version of the processing and all that bit in it. But it wasn't for us personally, and we're both kind of waiting for the four-and-a-half, five-inch screen uh, device that we're all certain is going to come out before too long. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at some sellers, admittedly on Amazon, and some of these are of dubious reliability, possibly. But the Lumia 1520, which is a stunningly good high spec, and probably the highest spec Windows phone of all, um, is under £400 now, quite reliably and quite regularly across the web. And I know we're saying the 1320 is great value, but I'm, the 1520 <laughs> under £400 is astonishing value, actually. Yes, well, when you compare it to kind of other flagships from other manufacturers, you should go, that's really quite special because, so it has got a Snapdragon 800 in it, so it's right up to date in terms of all the processing. You, you know, it, it would have to be compared against, you know, things like, uh, I guess, the Galaxy Note, uh, S, Galaxy Note 3, but also some of the coming generation of uh, Android devices. We're going to be seeing stuff, obviously, from Samsung in terms of the S5, but also all the others as well. And, uh, they're maybe a little bit higher spec because some of them are Snapdragon 801 or extra RAM, but yeah, it, basically on the same class level. And so the 1520 is going to be a good buy. Um, I, I still think that if people are looking for a fablet device at the high end, the 1520 is the best hardware. I think the software maybe lets it down a little bit when you compare it to the Note 3 and some of the other kind of customizations that have been made on the Android devices. But, um, you know, the 1320, that matters less and so i think it's actually a better phablet device yeah. in some ways and so uh, y you can't recommend one device over the other because each of them is going to be bought by you know, a specific person they've kind of got a budget in mind or what kind of device they want um but for a device that was kind of a little bit overshadowed when it was announced uh, i think the 1320 deserves more attention than it seems to be getting yeah, just one final point on 1320 in terms of software. It, people often overlook as they review some of these uh, budget Lumias, especially that even the cheapest of them gets the, more or less the full Nokia software suite. And the, the Nokia mixed radio is really widely complemented. The, the Hear Maps and Hear Drive. Um, the Nokia camera actually is now rolled out either in beta or in production form for almost every Lumia. There's the whole of Microsoft, you know, pocket office across every Windows phone. The, the, the sheer software value for money, that the bundle, the amount you get out of the box with every every Windows phone, and certainly with the Nokia phones, whatever the price level, um, is actually very impressive. And, and certainly taking the 1320, uh, uh, just over £200 for the, what I've just mentioned, plus the, the size of the quality of the screen and the speed of the interface and the amount of third-party apps you can now get, just to just one final underlining of the, 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 the value for money across the board. Uh, it, it's true. I mean, in retrospect, you sort of go, that's probably a factor that should have 
more influence but then you have to also appreciate that you do get lots of google apps on the android device and sure. equivalent on the apple devices but if you're putting here maps up i would actually say that represents tremendous value for money because a it's free but actually some of the features you get you don't really get elsewhere it's the offline navigation some of the quality of the maps that's yeah. very market dependent though and i think a lot of people who review the smartphones are often based in the us where google maps does very well indeed um, and actually it's probably arguably a bit better than here maps in some cases if you go outside of that market i think uh, here maps is more likely to range with premium i should say there's exceptions to each of this i'm sure people in japan will be talking about the fact there's no here maps there um, but also mixed radio the same applies um, it's fine for you to go oh yes but there's spotify pandora whatever but in a lot of the markets where mixed radio operates there are no uh, kind of global streaming music service equivalents it's available now in i think 31 markets and those that kind of international reach of those services is an important factor and i, I think also with the camera apps as well the fact you get them right across the range of the lumia device it's not just in the flagship device i mean we should point out that samsung hdc and sony have done some fantastic work on their camera software on their high-end devices and sometimes that'll go down in mid-tier devices as well but more often than not they're kind of let down a bit and so that that kind of broad reach of those extra bits of software really is important and um, you know, Office is a kind of another case in point. You can get yeah. it elsewhere. You can Office 365 kind of lets you get it on both Android and iPhone, and there are third-party equivalents. But the fact it's free works out of the box. And, you know, it's an important factor. I mean, particularly if that's going to be what you're using the phone for. And um, it sounds a bit about cheerleading for Windows Phone saying this, but I really don't think that sort of is something that's really assessed very fairly in most uh, smartphone reviews because there does tend to be this concentration on hardware in the platform and perhaps that depends what ecosystem you live in and we've said it before you know if you live in the google ecosystem you're probably going to choose an android device but there's an awful lot of people out there who are using microsoft products on the desktop who, who may not be the kind of the uber smartphone geeks who got into google service early on and in that case windows phone makes a pretty compelling case and well, for me, that's actually the reason why we're seeing Windows Phone actually do better in the business-to-business market here in the UK than in the consumer market. The sales level about ten or eleven percent in consumer market in the UK, but in the you know the business-to-business side of things, it's actually approaching twenty percent, almost double its sale share. Uh, I wonder if that's a pattern we'll see repeating, or a bit more appreciation for some of the you know software coming in, especially given that I think now there's going to be very little to choose between all the different hardwares. You know that. Windows Phone previously was a little bit out of date. I mean, not a little bit. It was a generation out of date. No getting away from it. With this the next generation, it's going to be, as we said, Snapdragon 800, 400, 200. It will be equivalent to what you get for similarly priced devices. There isn't going to be that step back. And so I wonder how much of an impact that's going to have. Um, it's, you know, for Windows Phone, the challenge is still the chicken and egg one. It just hasn't got enough volume to really attract app developers in the same way that Android and iOS do. But you know, there's much less, I feel, this year that sort of is detracting from it than there has been in previous years, particularly from the hardware side. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Windows Phone 8.1, introducing a lot of new software features when that's paired up with the kind of the next generation of hardware. Yeah, you mentioned Office there, as did I, and as a core component of most Windows phones. It should also be noted that to OneNote, which is kind of allied to Office, which is a really useful 
I mean, think think of Evernote, but made by Microsoft, and uh, uh, with with equal reach, I guess, has now been rolled out for things like for free a free app um, on things like the the Apple Mac and, and on Microsoft Windows on the desktop. So Microsoft have put a big push behind OneNote, and we've done several features on it on the site. But uh, this is something which. Once you start using on your phone and you realize you can just tap, tap away entries there, you can save to OneNote from different other applications. Uh, OneNote then becomes your conduit to almost everything you want to remember in your entire life, and it's available everywhere on whichever platform, whichever device you happen to be logged into or, or uh, using, it's all your information just there. I think it's really useful. Yeah, I think people who start using OneNote kind of have a road to Damascus kind of conversion because it's that kind of silently in the background it will sync everywhere and there's equipment apps available for android and iphone and for the tablets which for those of us who use lots of different devices or testing things is is great and it's all the kind of information that you need to remember be it shopping lists or just reminders about websites you visit or notes that you're writing up on an article or something like that. the ability to access them instantly anywhere and also there's web versions as well uh, is really i think yeah, it's underappreciated. I mean, there are plenty of Evernote fans out there, and they do tend to be fairly militant. And actually, uh, the OneNote fans, as I discovered in my email inbox, can also be quite militant. And I <laughs> dare to suggest that Evernote wasn't uh, was still the kind of the first choice. I think it, I think it probably is because of uh, some of the power user features. But uh, for most people, OneNote will be more than sufficient and has the advantage of kind of fitting in with the rest of the microsoft office look and feel as as you mentioned steve um so if you haven't tried it out i would encourage you to to give it a go and now that it's become free that's <laughs> there's kind of no reason not to and it, all the we should say all the notes all the information is stored on on OneDrive. you get a certain amount of that free and certainly enough to do anything you might want with uh, one note in terms of basics and there's a an app that came out the last week called office lens which basically lets you take pictures of documents whiteboards and other things and will then straighten them out to automatically automatically enhance them and then send them off to OneNote. and i've been using that a few times works absolutely fantastically well and it's that kind of i'm sure everyone's used their phone as a scanner if you will but sometimes getting that picture somewhere useful or storing it away uh, it's not quite as straightforward as it should be and this kind of automates that process so another reason to take a look at one note uh, one one slight caveat i might might make with one note is that i still think they've got work to do in terms of the synchronization speed uh, the number of times I've, I've done something on one one device then moved swiftly across the market five seconds later on my desktop or on a different device and it's not there and it <laughs> arrives over the next minute or so i think either should be a little pop-up message or a little rotating busy icon or basically make the thing faster so that uh, the the, the synchronization synchronization is more seamless do you think that's fair I, I i do think that's fair because i mean i'm sure there are people who are doing exactly what i did where they were capturing a, a, a document and i was using office lens but i could have been doing it in the OneNote app itself immediately switched to the desktop and it wasn't there and as you said it t- takes about a minute or two to come through but it was kind of instead of laboriously connecting my phone and taking the information off manually i kind of wanted it to be there um it, in fairness there's probably limitations to how quickly you can go with connection speeds and that kind of thing but um yeah, there, there's maybe room for something in the UI that says, oh, there's an update coming down or making that a bit clearer. It is there in the window phone app, but it's not always terribly obvious that it's doing something. Uh, so yes, you're right. Room, room for improvement there, but that's kind of being a little bit picky. Now, as I say, I haven't quite switched over to, to OneNote completely, but I've been using it a lot more in the last six months for just keeping track of little bits of information, reminders you know, when you're out and about and you, you see something that you need to buy or remind yourself of later. It's, it's, it's great for that. I mean, um, actually, I probably shouldn't admit to this, but last time um, 
staying in a hotel. I couldn't remember my hotel number or the room number, but fortunately I had written it down in one note. So I had to get my phone out in order to find out my way back to the hotel room. Because, uh, of course, these key cards you get in hotels now don't have room numbers on them. I'd lost the little bit of wallet that came with it. So it's to the rescue. Rather than having to go down to the front desk and embarrass myself, I was able to rely on the note I'd made earlier. I guess I shouldn't ask how many beers you'd had at that point. Oh, well, you know me, a heavy drinker. <laughs> one final thing. Um, have you got an app of the week? I'm, I'm, you mentioned a few in the show notes. Do you want to pick one as a, to highlight to our listeners? Um, I was going to actually pick out Nokia Pocket Magnifier. Um, there's actually a couple of these apps already in the App Store, just using the phone's camera to be a, a magnifying glass using the zoom functionality. But this one's been developed by Nokia in kind of cooperation with the RNIB, which is the uh, Royal National Institute for the Blind, kind of a organisation here in the UK that kind of looks after the interests and kind of pressure group and also a, a charity for partially sighted. And they've added in some extras, including filters, which kind of let you enhance uh, text. So you can do a negative image, but you can also do black on yellow, kind of contrasting colours. And it really helps you uh, pick out text. And kind of, it, it makes it, you can use the app in more situations, different lighting situations. And there's also the ability to kind of freeze the viewfinder and then save that image into a gallery. So kind of exactly what you'd want from this kind of application. And even if your eyesight's fine, it's kind of useful to have this if you're trying to read small text off the back of a packet or something like that. It's kind of one of those utility apps that's worth installing onto your phone. Certainly um, one of the better examples of this type of app I've seen, so thoroughly recommended from me. Yeah, and of course it works especially well, bringing things back to the Lumia 1320 with the huge screen. <laughs> so if you are party sighted, I guess that is the perfect Windows phone with the perfect app. Yeah, very that's, good, Ray. That's right. How about you, Steve? Have you got a, an app pick? Well, you kind of threw me there, but I'm just going to mention one I'm just testing as we record this podcast. It's called Verbalize, and I'm a big Feedly fan, which kind of took over from Google Reader as a way of gathering news across the net and what verbalize is supposed to do and it's uh, proving a tiny bit erratic at the moment but i should be writing it up is it let it reads the feeds and their content out to you so for example i can just dip into it as i'm about to start the washing up downstairs in the kitchen and i can say you know read my feeds and it will go through all the latest tech news and the stuff from the feeds i'm interested in and in theory read it all out in an audio understandable voice thus saving me time having to read it later on so there we are. I'm trying that out. Look out for a review or a mini review of Verbalize on the site. Um, I think we're out of time, Rafe. We've gone quite long. So I guess we should finish there. Yeah, I think we'll finish there as we uh, kind of go past the 45 minute mark. But uh, it's going to be an exciting time in the Windows phone world in the, the next few weeks. We're just over two weeks away, or I guess two weeks away from Build, which is where Microsoft is going to be announcing Windows Phone 8.1. Uh, well, as far as we know, we should say. And there may be devices around that as well. So look out for the next few podcasts where we'll be talking more about that. And we'll be sure to record something just after Bill to kind of bring you a, a roundup of what gets announced as well as our first thoughts and views on that as well. And I'm sure that Steve will be joining me for that as well. In the meantime, I'm sure he's going to be out taking some uh, pictures and doing some more camera stuff as well as all the usual app reviews and roundups. Yeah, well, I'm hoping to get the um, Samsung Galaxy S5 in fairly shortly. We're going to do that um, camera comparison, certainly between that and the 1020 and and so forth. There's also a rumor of an S5 Zoom, which you can guess mm. will be my next camera comparison. <laughs> so as we're heading to the UK spring, the sun's out, the daffodil's out, and there's plenty of photogenic stuff out there. So, yes, I guess that's my mission for the spring. Okay, well, that's great. Well, yeah, it is time to say goodbye. So I'll say goodbye first, and I'll leave Steve to say goodbye to everybody else as well and thank you for listening yeah you can catch us all all about windowsphone.com and do recommend us and like us and share us and give us a thumbs up and give us a review on itunes and all the rest of it thanks for listening bye for now